Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. With me, Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton, and Natalie Campbell. This week, we're talking eating disorders, so if you feel you might be triggered, please do be careful, and check out www.beateatingdisorders.org.uk. Plus, we meet one woman who returned to her family home in Saudi Arabia to see if she could live there. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Uh, now joining us in the studio, very lucky to have Olivia Marcus and Tom Quinn. Tom, you're the Director of External Affairs at BEAT. Tell us, um, just start us off with what is BEAT and why, in my opinion, why are you more important now than ever? So, uh, yeah, BEAT is a charity devoted to supporting people with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So we run a number of services. We have a helpline open every single day of the year. Uh, We have uh, support on social media, um, online forums. You know, we offer training to uh, school professionals, people to to help people identify some of the signs of eating disorders. Um, what we are finding is more and more people are reaching out to us every year for help. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know actually categorically whether that's because the problem is getting worse, but certainly more and more people are seeking help, more and more people are seeking treatment for, for their eating disorders. It is uh, a serious mental illness and it is really important people get help quickly. Yeah, Olivia, thank you for joining us thank today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so... You are happy to chat to us as a recovering anorexic. Yes. Yes. Tell us, um, I guess, tell us, start us off with when you first began to realise that you might have a problem. Um, It was actually last November. So I think that it's quite hard because there's a really fine line between a lot of girls who are just on diets and extreme diets and actually having a problem. And I think what the big issue is, is that people don't believe you until you're a certain way or that you actually look really ill. Um, And in November, when I first started to think, you know, I've definitely got something, it's not right that I feel guilty or that I'm doing at night, I do all these rituals or whatever that I kind of kept to myself. Um, And that's when I kind of realised I have an issue, but I was too embarrassed to kind of speak out because I thought I don't look like I have a problem. Um, but it was kind of all my behaviours were pointing in that direction. And for you, what do you think perhaps triggered it? I think it always comes down to control. So I think there's a misconception that everyone thinks, oh, it's because you don't like food or it's because you want to look really skinny and it's so not about that. And I didn't actually learn that until 
further in um, to my disorder. But I think that what actually triggered it was that lack of control. And at university, a lot of people struggle with, it's really lonely. And I think people get confused that it's really sociable, but you are quite lonely. And I think that a way to control whatever's going on in your world that's uncontrollable is by controlling food. Um, Tom, do you see that use of control a lot when it comes to eating disorders? Yes, yes, it's, it, it is very common. And um, as Olivia was saying, it, it really isn't about food. Um, for, for people who develop an eating disorder, it's principally a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, often people feel out of control. They might suffer from anxiety or depression, or there may be certain um, triggers. I mean, Olivia talked about loneliness, whatever it may be. And so it is important that we recognise it. it you know, it's, not, it's not about people wanting to get thinner or people you know, wanting to, to look a certain way. Actually, um, it's much deeper than that and, and, and therefore it's actually much harder to tackle as well. Olivia, how, how long did you, um, how, how long were you sort of uh, controlling your food and at what point did you realise that you had a, a, a big problem? I think I was controlling it for I think it wasn't it was a gradual thing it wasn't straight away and I think slowly but surely I was cutting out food groups I was doing more exercise I was just watching everything I eat controlling exactly the amount weighing stuff out and I think that that went on for a few months until it became really extreme and I actually became scared to eat and every time I ate I would panic so I think it went on for about three months until I realised it was getting really extreme. And when you when you look back at that time now, do you feel that you didn't perhaps know where to turn to, or perhaps didn't recognise in yourself, so that you could have perhaps seek um, to seek help earlier? Do you think that you know that there were enough things on your radar or support, or, or things that you would have liked to have seen that would have helped you stop the illness progressing, that could help other people? Yeah, I think, which I've actually just started, was, I think, Instagram. I think social media is the best thing, but also the worst thing. Mm -hmm. So I think you can follow all these people, all these really skinny models, or you can follow all these food accounts which tell you how many calories in this, or exercise, and it makes you think, hang on, why am I not doing that? Or it gives you information that you get so obsessed by. But I think also social media can be so positive if you follow body, body positivity accounts and it's just about what you have on your newsfeed. So I think that that should be where people go to and have, like, there's so many communities on Instagram that you can turn to and talk to people who are going through similar things. No. Tom, how do we manage the fine line between exactly what Olivia was saying and... Um, people a fitness industry promoting exercise and weighing out your food and counting your macros because ultimately it is a process of regulating what you eat to get to x position and there's a fine line between it being that and it falling into um, a disorder so what can be done to help people understand when they've gone too far yeah, I think it's a it's a big challenge and it is something that we are concerned about. Um, you know, we're very concerned, for example, about the sort of proliferation of fitness apps and, and there is now a lot of content online. Um, I think the distinction is is when it becomes an obsession and um, 
I don't think I can sort of say, well, you know, these are necessarily the things to look out for because I think that does change for each person. Um, I think some of the signs, at least in terms of eating disorders, that might be um, becoming an issue might be if people are eschewing other kind of forms of social interaction, if um, people are becoming withdrawn. Um, what I would say is that early intervention for, for an eating disorder is so critical. And really, I wouldn't, you know, if you're worried about yourself or about a loved one, uh, you know, you don't really lose anything by um, by speaking, by talking, uh, by going to see your GP if, you, if you're worried you might have a problem. And I think uh, we talk to so many um, s- people perhaps have come out the other side now but they say well if only I'd got help sooner actually it would have been it would have been a much easier journey for me I wanted to just follow on from what Nat said because I think there is um we're seeing at the at the moment a kind of a move towards intuitive eating and reconnecting with our bodies and reconnecting with our hunger and all this type of thing and I feel as somebody who grew up in diet culture and it really affected me that every time I see another one of these I I hope that it's doing good and then I worry that it's some other young girl somewhere is creating another bad relationship with food and with her body and young men actually as well um how do we start to teach children about what is a good relationship with food I think that's a really important question so Unfortunately, we do hear increasingly now reports of parents will take um, their their children to to get help with their eating disorder, and actually they'll say that they believe at least one of the triggers was messaging about healthy food at school. And so, actually, there is this real challenge we've got now because we recognise that um, obesity is mm-hmm. is an issue, and therefore we do need to. Um, be mindful of, of what we eat but actually i think in many ways it, it goes too far yeah. i i think um i think it's about balance i also think it's really important that we recognize that you know food isn't um you know bad or good you know food doesn't have a sort of moral or ethical value food is there to um to give us fuel to to help us live and i think uh it's really important that we, that we remember that that we we sort of move away from the sense that you know there's bad food that we have to avoid at all costs Olivia when you were recovering um where did you turn for help what was the first thing that you did so the first thing I did was told a family member so I told my mum and I think there's also that whole generation gap that they kind of were like well what what is an eating disorder and I knew so much about it and I had friends who had gone through it or friends who were had recognized what it was but from it was really hard with that generation so she instantly was like right we need to go see someone so I went to a therapist um and that's where it all started and I used to go every week and then I actually got help from NHS um for a year and that's where I got weighed every week and it was also therapy for a session every week. How did you feel about that? Um, I actually found it very difficult. I didn't find it very mm. productive. 
I think that it was quite hard having someone once a week because for the rest of the week it's kind of if you're in a situation where you feel like you need to speak to someone you felt quite restricted and that you had to wait until you could speak to someone um you also felt like people felt sorry for you mm-hmm. and it was quite a negative thing for me I think it's different for everyone but I felt that I liked talking about it where it wasn't such a negative I wanted to talk it talk about it in a more positive light and I found it quite hard to how are you how are you coping now with your do you feel like you've recovered or do you feel like it's still an ongoing journey for you where are you now I feel like it's definitely still an ongoing journey I think there's days where I still struggle and especially like what I was saying with the social media it is a conflicting message the whole time so you're still surrounded by people who are obsessed with diets and talking about diets and praising people who are losing weight that it's really confusing for people because how can you be praising people for losing weight mm-hmm. but then being concerned about people for losing weight? So it's really confusing. So I do have days and I think it is an ongoing journey, but I'm so much in a better position and I feel so much more happier and confident and I recognise when I have certain behaviours and the reasons behind it because I've educated myself more about it and I've learned stuff on the way. So there's, is there been, there's been a lot of self-educating or has a lot of that come from the therapy and other support that you've had or has it been a bit more about your your proactiveness of wanting to get over your eating disorder? I think it's a bit of both. Before therapy I was completely in denial and therapy did teach me along with everything else that I went out and actively looked for that it isn't about the food. So now I can recognise when I have my off days what the reasons are behind it I can stop and kind of see I was anxious about that and it was to do with this and I can kind of see where I'm going to be triggered and where I'm not so it is about educating yourself the reasons behind to kind of prevent anything from going any further. Tom how dangerous is social media for young people particularly when it comes to how they feel about their bodies? So a question I get asked a lot is does social media cause eating disorders and I think with that I'd say no I think it's much more complicated than that nevertheless I think social media can be dangerous for some people and as Olivia was saying there are some negative accounts out there and um, sometimes the people that are producing that content aren't themselves very well mm-hmm. we should remember that but but yes it, it, it can be harmful and we think it can um, perhaps lead to the development of an eating disorder or exacerbate um, existing uh, mental illness. But as Olivia said, there is actually loads of positive content out there as well. Um, people that are really espousing uh, body confidence, body positivity, and uh, you know, we as Beat try to be really active on Instagram, on Twitter, just to uh, to really highlight the fact that you can feel really proud of yourself of your achievements and actually how you look uh really isn't a factor at all if you want to do if you would like to see what beat up to do check them out beating eating disorders.org.uk i'm gonna bring it back to the this point um around uh young people if i was a parent listening to this right now i'd be really confused about what to do because on one hand i'm being told that i shouldn't be giving my child sugar so in let's think about around the dinner table i'm constantly probably telling a child no don't eat that no you can't have that in the supermarket no you can't no 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 
And so there's something about that as a parent that you can't help but start to trigger something in a child's head where they say, well, I'm not allowed that. I'm not allowed that. I'm not allowed that. And if you don't have the mechanisms to reinforce alternative, because you're saying there's no good or bad, but if you don't have um, the means to, to say, you know, here are lots of other alternative food options, in addition to children being weighed and being told that their BMI is too high, in addition to as... I think cancer research has got a, an ad out at the moment talking about obesity being at the cause of cancer. I mean, how how does a parent cope with all of this messaging, bringing up a child to just be okay with what they're putting in their body and not trying to control it? Yeah, it, it, it is difficult. Um, I think I'd really encourage parents to try, as I said, to to move away from from saying this is good food, this is bad food. I think, yes, Clearly, something that's high in sugar um, shouldn't be consumed every day. But I think, um, you know, with all things in moderation, actually, um, some sweet things, some some things that are high in fat are actually actually fine. Um, I think it's also really important that parents uh, set a good example in terms of how they speak about themselves. Mm. We do, um, unfortunately, hear sometimes people saying, actually... Um, hearing, you know, perhaps a mother talking about how she feels really fat, or actually how she, you know she, she she doesn't like how she looks in the mirror, actually can um, can impact on on that, you know, that young girl perhaps developing her her old her own sense of self. Um, I'm not saying for one moment that parents are causing eating disorders, but I think actually. It is difficult. Um, I think that moderation, that balance is really important to stress. What should parents be looking out for? I mean, and also, what should we all be looking out for, particularly within our friends? Because they, one of the things I'm aware of is when we talk about eating disorders, we talk about it a lot for uh, something that people develop in childhood or teenagehood, but it happens all the way through life, right? Yeah, so, um, I mean, there are more adults with eating disorders than children young people. Mm -hmm. Now, um, Anorexia is more prevalent amongst uh, children and adolescents, but uh, bulimia is more common amongst people perhaps university age or a bit older. And actually, we haven't talked at all about binge eating disorder, which is very common amongst middle-aged people. Um, in terms of the signs to look out for, I mean, I think the first thing I'd stress is actually something that Livia said at the start of this segment about actually people assuming that because she wasn't known to be losing weight therefore she didn't have a problem so I think that's really important to stress actually um, someone losing weight or indeed gaining weight if they're if they're binging happens very very late on it's much more important to look for other signs so those could be um, as I've already said sort of being socially withdrawn uh, acting strangely particularly around mealtimes if people if, if, if you see yourself or indeed other people um, becoming more interested in food, becoming more obsessed around food. I think that's really important. Um, some other things to look out for are uh, tiredness is very common. So mm -hmm. if people aren't eating enough, that can obviously lead to a lack of energy. If people are binging, they'll often do that at night so they won't be sleeping yeah. as well. Um, so those are some of the, the signs to look out for. Excessive exercise is quite common. Um, if people are purging by throwing up, They'll often go to the loo quite quickly after meals. So there's quite a few signs. Not all of those will be prevalent in all cases. But as I said, if people are concerned, it's really important to get help quickly. Um, and finally, Olivia, 
do you think that you do you would you describe yourself now as recovered or still as recovering I think recovering I would say Mm -hmm. I think that it's always going to have like I said earlier good days bad days but it is a really long journey but from now looking back at how far I've come I can definitely see the end of the tunnel (laughs) (laughs) and for anyone who's listening that might maybe recognize themselves in your story what would you say to them just talk about it and don't be embarrassed because you'd be so surprised how many people feel the exact same way and everything you're feeling there's people going through the exact same thing who can help and offer advice and there's always a way out and you've started an instagram to talk about it is that right what where can people find it it's at ollie's okay and what's the response been like to that um it's actually been amazing because i was petrified I was umming and ahhing should I start it and I've been so happy with the response and people messaging me saying I never knew that people felt like that and it's so positive and to have a news feed just filled I've made sure just to follow positive things it's so refreshing Mm. because so many girls just follow things that make them feel bad about themselves Um, and I've had a really positive response and it gives me something to like look forward to posting about and writing about and getting it off my chest. Thank you very much. Um, Olivia Marcus and Tom Quinn, Director of External Affairs at Beat, thank you very much for coming in. If you have resonated with any of the things that we've talked about today, if you've heard something you think might you might want to be talking about or you might want to inquire into more, please do go check out www.beateatingdisorder.org.uk. Beat or beating eating disorders? Yeah, it's beat eating disorders. Beateatingdisorders.org.uk. Thank you, Tom. Um, please do go check it out. Uh, or, you know, if you need some help, find them on Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. Where should they be looking, Tom? Uh, so we're uh, beat ed support on, uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. Brilliant. Uh, thank you very much, both of you, for joining us. Coming up, we are going to be talking to a woman who left her life in Northern Ireland and went back to her family's home country of Saudi Arabia to see whether or not she could live there. Um, It's an incredible story. I mean, the things that she saw and the lessons that she learned along the way are absolutely mind-boggling. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. My name's Besma, and I work as a fashion stylist in London. But I've never felt totally at home. I grew up in Northern Ireland, but I was born in Saudi Arabia to Sudanese parents. This is Saudi, right? Yeah, you are sweet. My aunts have been begging me to come back to Saudi Arabia in the hope I might be convinced to move there. Now everything is changed, So I think you are coming in a very good time. I've decided to live with them for two weeks to see what my life would be like in Saudi. That is our next guest here on Badass Women's Hour XL. Can you, would you ever imagine asking yourself the question, I wonder what it's like to live in Saudi Arabia. Maybe I'll just move there and see. Well, our guest did. Basma Khalifa, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. The documentary is out on BBC Three now. It's called Inside the Real Saudi Arabia. Yeah. In which you pack up all your stuff <laughs> yeah. and you move to live with your aunts in Saudi Arabia. Exactly, Having yeah. grown up in Northern Ireland, yeah. sitting here in front of us, a, a very Western woman. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what made you do it? Um, I think for me, the idea of moving to Saudi Arabia was that I always wanted to do some sort of filmmaking. And... I kind of thought, you know, if I'm going to start doing film, I might as well think about where my journey began because a huge part of me and my issues, in a sense, is I always had this identity sort of being Sudanese, growing up in Northern Ireland and moving to Scotland and now living in London. I was always kind of like this person of the world. So I was like, why don't I start my adventure and go back to where it began, which was technically where I was born. So, yeah, spent there. So you arrive. I mean, actually, let's find out. How did you get permission to do it? Because it's notoriously not a country yeah. that likes to let people in to have a nose around. Well, basically because they have a new crown prince and the new crown prince is, you know, they're trying to do all these reforms and they've got this 2030 vision and they want to, they almost want to open up the country and say, you know, we're doing stuff now and, yeah. you know, we allow people in now. So come along. Because yeah. the things are changing there. Yeah. We've covered on the show before about women now mm-hmm. being able to drive. Yeah. But what is the reality of being a woman living in Saudi? Like, do you is your just life constantly restricted is there like two lives that you have to lead like what is that like for there's an element of it being two lives but it's not any different to the element of it being two lives when I live here okay. I mean I'm very much like raised as like the Sudanese Muslim girl who has all the values and all the things that my parents have taught me but then I also live on my own and live a very western life and go out with my friends and do what I want so it's very you know they're the juxtaposition of living two lives isn't any different to anyone in the diaspora living those two lives. I think for them, I was always very cautious of going there because, you know, everyone has such bad press in Saudi and I really wanted to go out there and be like, you know, let's do this with an open mind. Let's not prejudge because I'm going to actually properly be living there as adverse to it. I wasn't, didn't plan to go out there and investigate. I don't really care about the politics. I wanted to see what it would be like to actually live there. So yeah, it wasn't any different to my life here, if I'm honest. And what did you find living there? Underground <laughs> clubs? Yeah, underground yeah. parties, um, compound parties, um, magazine launch parties, 
um, women driving. A lot of women obviously would wear their baya, but then underneath underneath it wearing like body cons and crop tops. Like this is like not, I mean, it's not the Saudi we think we know, you know. <laughs> and so that coupled with also having a government minder. Yeah, we had five minders. Five minders. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's quite quite a lot of them, which is a bit of an unnatural experience if you're trying to be a fly in the wall and experience life to have like five men following you all the time. So they were keeping an eye on you while you were in Saudi. Yeah. So they were from the Saudi government keeping well, an eye Well, no, or? there was one from the government and then a couple, it was a production company and then there's um camera assistant and there's a driver and, you know, it was just a big, a big team, but that was part of the permission of being allowed to go. Um, was, yeah. So how did you oh rock up at a party with like a crew and and just be c- completely conspicuous? Can I say like... that we didn't uh, rock up with a crew? <laughs> 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 well, for that one, the magazine launch, actually um, a friend of a friend who lives there was like, why don't you come along? We never intended on filming that. We just were, you know, we wanted to see what the vibe was. We took a camera just to be like, in case they let us. Mm-hmm. So we went there and we spoke to the woman who actually owns the magazine and she was like, you know, you can film because there's lots of people filming. There's loads of cameras everywhere. But, you know, just let us see the footage if you want to use it. Um, And we were like, okay, as long as we get permission from her. So we did. Did you see... Did you see the dark sides to Saudi Arabia? So it sounds so far, I mean, so far so nice, right? Yeah, you're yeah, driving, yeah, 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 yeah. you're out at yeah. parties, it's lovely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got a government minder, but quite frankly, who doesn't need <laughs> yeah. someone to carry a bag now and then? Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it as lovely as you're painting? No, it's not. I mean, the huge, as much as it's lovely to go to these parties and have these, you know, do whatever, hang out with my friends... A huge part of it that we struggled with, which was the social rules that we weren't aware of. I mean, at the end of the documentary, whenever anyone watches it, I don't want to ruin it. But at the end of the documentary, you know, we kind of got in trouble for talking about women's rights and talking about women that had been imprisoned. And those women have already been in the news. So for us, we were like, oh, this is just it's just a news story. Yeah. You know, we're Googling it. We weren't aware that that would um, cause problems. And they were like, no, you can't talk about that. Or no, you can't shoot this. Or no, this wall is well painted. Or like, you know, they had they had a lot of rules, um, which are social rules. I don't necessarily think they're legal rules, which yeah. were quite difficult to get around. Is that not, though, just an element of shooting in any country that's ultimately trying to paint a picture of what it's like? So you can multiply that by going to... North Korea popped in. That's not a great example. Yeah. Um, but Cuba, you know, places where ultimately a ruler is trying to say, right, we're open for business because tourism and inward investment is good for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And so they only want to show the best version. Yeah. Actually, uh, thinking uh, Dubai and other places showing the best version of themselves. So is that not just part and parcel of what they thought was going to happen? It'd be a lovely sort of brochure documentary. Yeah, uh, you're yeah. totally right. I think for them, they kind of maybe they felt a little bit misled because they thought that we were going out there and we were basically going to do all these beautiful, amazing things. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's not realistic to say, you know, it's fine. We can go do these really nice things and go to running clubs and go to the mall. But it, I also have to know the lay of the land mm-hmm. and I have to know as a woman what rights I have there. And I think they almost didn't understand why we wanted to do that. They were mm-hmm. like, you know, you're coming here to see if you could live your life. Why do you need to know about women's rights? And they mm-hmm. couldn't connect the two. Couldn't connect the two. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and I realized here actually coming back that we talk about anything here. Yeah. And we just, whatever we want to weigh <laughs> our opinions on, we do. Like just whatever we feel like we need to talk about. Whereas there, it's just like you just, just don't talk about it. It's, it's in the air. Just don't talk about it. Um, which is, yeah, getting used to that. And what was your conclusion at the end of the documentary? Could you live there? 
I think my conclusion in the end is that I couldn't live there as to what I experienced only just because I think being so westernized Mm -hmm. the gag order is really difficult like not being able to being really worried about saying things is really tricky and I'm not used to that I say what I want but also I would want to go back there one because my aunts live there and secondly because I actually debatably didn't have that bad a time I did some really nice things (laughs) I just would need to go back there and not have a team of five men following me (laughs) all times well the documentary is on BBC three now do go check it out it is called inside the real Saudi Arabia uh Thank you so much for joining us, Fazwa. If people want to follow, if people want to follow you, who are not from the Saudi <laughs> Arabian government, where can they find you? Um, all my socials are at Basma Khalifa. Fabulous. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. One, two, three, four. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.